that endures forever and ever. And we thank you for your holy written word. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. We thank you that you're directing us, you're leading us, and you're guiding us in the direction that you would have us go. And Father, we're careful to give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to see all of you out today. Let's turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Does that sound good? First Timothy chapter four. Scripture has kind of been our keynote scripture among others in this particular meeting by direction of the Lord. The Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed, paying attention to, listening to, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So people depart from the faith by giving heed, paying attention to, listening to, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So I want to talk to you about this morning worshiping false gods. You know what I mean? Worshiping false gods. Now, when I say false gods, I'm not just talking about a statue sitting there and you're worshiping it. But Jesus said this. He said, they worship me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. In other words, he don't receive that kind of worship. And it goes on in thousands and thousands of churches around the world all the time. And listen, that doesn't mean that everybody's wrong. You can't get that mentality either, you know. Because there is a body. There's a whole body of Christ. But sometimes if we don't watch it, we can get in the ditch on things and we can actually get in the flesh and not be worshiping God in the spirit. And all of our worship and efforts are in vain. Because we want to worship God in spirit and in truth. Isn't that right? But uh, people... You know, there's, there's what we call false religions. You know, I, I know you, you know this. And I know this is live recording and, and things like that. But uh, I'm just going to give you an actual fact. So you, it'll just solve something for you. When they worship a being called Allah, Allah does exist. Never think that he does it. He is a demon spirit, and he forces them to bow down to him five times a day. It's a spiritual being. They call him Allah, and he does exist in the realm of the spirit. And this thing forces them to bow down to him five times a day. It don't matter where they're at. I'm glad you're, you're excited about it. kind of thinking about that one. Yes, I just want to let you know, whether you know it or not. Now, that didn't come to me by my own understanding. The Lord revealed it to me and showed it to me back years ago. 
But Allah, <clears throat> this worship by the Muslims, does exist. He is a spirit being. He's one of the high warring angels and uh, on Satan's team. See, Satan's got angels that followed him, remember? He's a high warring demon, and he's in charge. He's got a demon that's in, fault, in charge of false religions on this earth. Now, I'm going to just say just a few things. We're going to say more in our seminar. But in the demonic world, we sometimes think that it's chaotic, that nobody knows what's going on. But the demonic world is one of the most organized worlds that there is on this planet. Amen. It's just on the unseen realm. Yeah. And in the demon operations, which you would call evil spirits or demons, there's no general practitioners. Each demon has a specific task to accomplish a specific goal, and they're assigned that goal by Satan. I'm glad you're ready to run. So that's why they are so good at what they do. That's why they are very uh, intelligent in the area that they operate in. And you got different demons that's assigned to different, different uh, causes. And everybody on earth that sins... Everybody on earth that sins, regardless of how you look at it, has been influenced by a demon. Amen. It doesn't matter what kind of sin it is. Satan is the author of what? Sin and evil. So demons are behind and they are constantly trying to get people to sin and disobey the word of God. And remember, I said in the demonic world, evil spirits, there are no general practitioners. You know what I mean by that? You got something called a family doctor. Family doctors are usually uh, general practitioners. They know a little bit about a lot of things, but not enough to help you in anything. And I'm not knocking the doctors, because you go to your doctor... And what did he tell you to do? You got to go see that specialist over there. Isn't that right? Uh, huh? Because he's a general practitioner. But when it comes to demons, there's no such thing as general practitioners. All of them are specialists in their field. Specialists. If they've been assigned to a task and demons, they're, they, they are, they, they, when they're in that rank that they're in, that's all they do. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They know in and out or nothing. You don't change. You know, you don't like what you're doing. Right. You, you do what you're assigned and that's it. Yeah. There's no love among demons. I hope you know that. Yeah. There's no such thing as love in hell. Yeah. God is love, not yeah. the devil. Yeah. Right. Demons don't love one another. They work with one another because Satan makes them. But that's it. But there's no love among them. And there's no general practitioners. That's why they're so good at what they do. And every sin on earth, there's a demon behind it. Well, I'm not making it up. You remember this? In the Garden of Eden, you remember that? Wasn't Eve just going along, minding her own business, serving God? I mean, walking with God, talking with God, and then here come his demon. Isn't that right? Then come his demon. And what did that demon do? He influenced her to do what? 
to sin. And that's the way it works every single time. That's the way it works. Demons, now there is stuff called sins of the flesh, you know, you, you know, or bodies, you know, and things like that. They want to do things that's not right. But as a, you, well, every time there's a demon behind it trying to get you to yield to your flesh. There is. It's a demon behind it. So seducing spirits and doctors of devils, you know, it, the devils are behind all, even false worship, every kind, you know. Even the JWs, Jehovah Witness, you know. All this. And I'm not attacking anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. They're worshiping evil spirits. That's what they're doing. Because it doesn't agree with the Bible. And don't make me go further, because y'all would throw me out of the church if I went too far. Because I, I have made people mad just, just, just telling them. I mean, I have made people mad actually separated himself from me because they didn't like what I said about their pet religion. And what I mean, you know, yes, I have. Preachers, rhyme of preachers. And, uh, because they didn't like what I said about their pet religion. And, you know, all you got to do is look in the Bible. If it doesn't agree with the Bible, we're not going to have it. So, Brother Randy, could that happen to God's children? Could that happen to anybody? Would anybody... Just all, all of a sudden, just turn around and start worshiping false gods? Well, if they can, and, and they do, there must be some kind of evidence of it in the Bible. Because otherwise, I shouldn't even be talking about it. But there are principles in the Bible that you're about to read that's going to shock, amaze, astonish you to find out how people one day can be worshiping God and the next day be worshiping demons. I'm glad you're excited. Turn to Exodus chapter 32. We'll start right there. Exodus chapter 32. Now remember, I've said this, you know, this particular subject I'm speaking on is not the only subject in the Bible. And it's not the only subject you need in the Bible. There's, there's a lot of different subjects in the Bible we need to learn and understand about faith, love, you know, confession. All those things are wonderful. And so, you know, we want to stay into those and keep up with those. But at the same time, this particular subject that we're talking about is one of the most overlooked subjects today. And there have been people that have gotten into ERA, you know, E-R-R-O-R, in this particular area because they overemphasize the devil and all that kind of stuff. But the problem we have today is that very rarely do people ever give instructions about how the demonic fields and the forces work in this earth. And this year, remember, the Lord said to me, it would be a year of great deception in the church. And what's what I mean by that? The devils are going to try to deceive the church on a higher level than they ever have before. But let's look at Exodus chapter 32. God had called Moses up on the mountain of Mount Sinai. Brother Hagin said, Sinai. So in honor of Brother Hagin, I say, Sinai. Remember how I used to say it? Sinai. Remember he would say, Sinai. So I just do that in honor of him. 
says, when the people saw that Moses delayed, in verse 1 of chapter 32, that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, mount what? Mount Sinai. Look, verse 18. Well, back up to verse 18 in chapter 31, just to get the import. It says, and he gave, just back up one chapter and go to verse 18. Exodus 31, 13. It says, and he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communion with him, upon Mount, what? Sinai. Sinai. In honor of Dad Hagen. Two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written how? With the finger of God. People accuse Moses of coming up with the Ten Commandments. Moses didn't write them, God did. And I'll tell you another thing, they are still just as good today as they ever had been. And anybody that says they're not, just don't understand the Bible. Those commandments still apply. When it says, thou shalt not kill... In the Old Testament, it still means the same thing in the New Testament. Now, Jesus said this, and it's the absolute truth. On these two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. Love the Lord thy God with all their heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. But when you're doing that, you're fulfilling the Ten Commandments. But you could go back and you could actually teach the Ten Commandments in the New Testament. It would be scriptural. There's still things that God wants us to do. Remember, y'all circle that word, W-O-R-K-S? Jesus taught works, didn't he? He said, I know thy works. In other words, he paid attention. He watched what they were doing. Isn't that right? So it is important. And God will help us. You know, God will help us. You know, we don't have to do it by ourselves. Aren't you glad? So here, Moses was on Mount Sinai, and he had the, the Ten Commandments. It was written on a table of stone, and it was written with who? The finger of God. God wrote it himself. How can you write on stone? Well, if you're God, you can write on stone. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he didn't have no problem. All right, then we get to verse 32. So Moses is up communing with God. He's the leader of the people. He's chosen by God. God has showed himself strong in their behalf. He's brought them up out of the land of Egypt. And here they are. They're headed towards the promised land. Isn't that right? They're headed there. But here they are. On Mount Sinai, says in verse 32, chapter 1, I mean, chapter 32, verse 1, says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain. Notice here, the first thing where the people made the mistake. It's right here in this little passage of Scripture that we just read. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, they got it wrong. Moses didn't delay anything. God had him there. God had him there. So they was looking at a man instead of listening to God. And that's how you get into trouble. That's how you get into false religion. That's how you get into worshiping devils. So that they saw that Moses delayed. Moses didn't delay anything. God was talking to him. And he wasn't to leave the presence of God until God bid him go. Isn't that right? And you shouldn't either. He said that when Moses, that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron. In other words, he had been gone a while, you know. Unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, get up, Aaron, which is Moses' brother, right? And he's supposed to know God, right? And he's basically second in command. First in command now because Moses is up on the mountain. And Aaron said to him, Make up and make us gods. 
What's wrong with these people? Make us gods. What's wrong with these people? Make us gods. Which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. Hold on. Moses did not bring him up out of the land of Egypt. God did. That's how you get into false religion. You begin to look at men. You begin to look at ideas of men. You get, begin to get your thinking wrong. God is the one sent Moses and Aaron down there. Moses was back there with, with, with Jephro's house. Y'all remember Jephro, don't you? Yeah, remember the bush? It burnt, you know, caught on fire but did not burn. And then a voice spoke to him out of the bush because he turned to see the great sight. So it was God's idea to bring him out. Moses didn't bring him out. All Moses told God was, I can't do it. Just like I do. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm not eloquent. I can't do all that stuff. I don't know. So it wasn't Moses that brought him out. So now they're already focusing on the wrong things already. They're already listening to man. They're not having their attention on God. They're not looking beyond the natural and moving into the supernatural and into the spirit. But they're looking to a man. Isn't that right? So it's easily, it's easy to get deceived. And of course, we learn from others. We thank God for what He uses us as and anybody. We can be anointed to help people. But He said to Aaron, Make us gods which shall go before us. As for this man Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. We don't know what happened. Now notice this, and it says, And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and your daughters, and bring them unto me. And the people break off the golden earrings which are in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron, and he fashioned them at their hand, and and fashioned it with a graven tool, after he had made it a molten calf, and they said... These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Now notice something here. One way to get into worshiping false gods and idols is to look at man, as we've already said, or be pressured by people. Aaron was pressured to disobey God. He knew better. He knew that he should not be doing this. But it don't tell us here how long the people, you know, came to him over and over and over and over. But I'm sure it wasn't just one time. I'm sure it took place over a period of days, maybe even a period of weeks that they kept protesting to him. Make us a God, make us a God. In order to appease the people, to appease the people, then what Aaron did is he disobeyed God to make the people happy. And you should never disobey God to make people happy. You should make people mad and make God happy. (laughs) Not that we want to be mean to anybody. But Aaron, since the pressure of people, and he began to make changes, 
and he made this calf. You know, he took these earrings, golden earrings. Now, where did they get those at? You remember? Egypt. God told him to go and borrow of the Egyptians. Gold and earrings, all that kind of stuff. That's where they got them at. Because God was giving it to them for their pay. Now, here they are, I want to worship it. You know? But anyway... Here we have Aaron that submitted to the pressure of people. And that happens a lot today. Now, I hadn't got into this. Probably wouldn't have much time. But uh, my friend here was before the flood. He's heard this before. (laughs) And Brother Jordan's heard it before. But I want to ask you a question. Are you smarter than a goldfish? Everybody's thinking about that. What's that got to do with what? Are you smarter than a goldfish? We got something coming. <laughs> Human beings' attention span today is 8.2 seconds. 8.2 seconds before your mind's gone to something else. Your brain is a computer. And it's got a lot of information there. And because of all the technology that there is today, checking emails, Facebook, uh, all them other social media things that they have, you know, and things that are going on, phones, you know, got to get this, got to get that. So they have scientifically proven that the attention span of the human race today, and it varies, you know, generally speaking, it varies from person to person, but it's about 8.2 seconds that you can focus on something. And that's why that also that people have a problem with faith. That's why people constantly come to the altar and constantly receive prayer. And I'm not against that. Don't get me wrong. But uh, constantly have hands laid on. They go just like they came. They go just like they came. They go just like they came. They never get anything. They never get anything. They never get anything. They never get anything. And they die never getting anything. And they get to heaven. And the Lord said you had everything, but you never received it. Why don't they receive it? Because they, they're not smarter than a goldfish. A goldfish attention span is nine seconds. They've proven scientifically that a goldfish can focus on something for nine seconds. But a human being, only 8.2 seconds. The reason people don't receive more from God is because they don't focus on the Word of God until it produces faith inside of them. And it's because of the times that we live in. You have to discipline yourself. And retrain yourself and reprogram your mind and renew your mind. You read the Bible. This is a side journey, you know. We're on a side journey. I I seen him get off the ark, so I figured I better share it. (laughs) Side journey. But but what happens in, in receiving from God... It's, it's people don't focus on the Word of God long enough for it to produce faith. Amen. You read the Bible. Now, don't let this pass by you. This is very, very important. You read the Bible for information. And it's good to know what the information is in the Bible. But you meditate on it 
for revelation. Many people have information of what the Bible says, but it's never been deposited in their spirit as revelation. And that's why they go and come, go and come, come to the altar and go. And I'm not belittling nobody. And a lot of times they'll come, they'll, they'll want, the preacher will come in, this big name guy will come in and they just open, this guy right here, this guy's got it, this guy's got it. They, they come on the, the, the boat of hope, they float in. They just hope, this is the one right here, the lightning bolt's going to come and fire's going to fall from his hands, you know, and, and this is time I'm going to get it. I just hope this is it, I hope this is it, I hope this is this. Faith is the subject of things hoped for. So you can hope all you want to, but you're not going to get it till you get in faith. Amen. So you read the Bible for information, and we need to know what the Bible says. But you meditate on it for revelation. Isn't that right? So you've got to become smarter than a goldfish if you're going to receive from God. Notice how these people got what we call antsy. They couldn't wait on God. People don't, don't like to wait on God. In our society today, people don't wait on God. That's why we have the mess that we do in the church. World as a whole. It is, it is man's vision mostly, not God's vision. And that's where the problem comes in. But if you want to receive from God, I'll give you just simple instructions how anybody can receive anything from God if you will pay the price. And I know saying those words, paying the price, is cussing in the modern day church. It is. It's cussing. People don't want to do anything. Why? Because Jesus done it all and I don't do anything. There's a truth to that. But there's always a Godward side and a manward side to anything you receive from Him. Always. 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 And if you'll take the Bible... And just find you two or three scriptures that's related to what you need from God. Just two or three scriptures. You don't have to get the whole Bible. Two or three scriptures. And then you begin to meditate on those scriptures. And I'll tell you, the, the quickest way to get in faith, do you want to know how to do it? The very quickest way is for you to read the Word of God out loud to yourself or speak it out loud to yourself. That is the quickest way because faith comes by hearing. And the reason that you haven't had faith in areas, and I'm not belittling you, I'm just telling you this is how it works. It's because you haven't heard it enough. You just take two or three scriptures and just put, put it, make it first person, make them apply to you. And just speak them out loud to yourself over and over and over and over. How long do you do it? You just keep doing it. How long just keep doing it? 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 You got to be smarter than a goldfish. You got to be able to focus on the Word of God. Focus on it. Meditate on the Word of God. Just stay with it. Stay with it. And I'll guarantee you what's going to happen faith will come. Faith will come. I didn't make that up. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing. Faith cometh by hearing. Isn't that what it is? It's going to come. Now how long it's going to take it to come is based on how far away from that faith you are. How many 
bad things you've heard, how much the obstacle is, and what you're willing to do. But if you'll stay with it, just those two or three scriptures, just stay with it, stay with it, stay with it, stay with it, focus on it, it's going to come to you, and you'll have faith, and you're going to receive what you need. The moment you enter into faith is the moment you receive. The moment you enter into faith is the moment you receive. How'd y'all get me off on this little path here? I thought y'all was worshiping false gods. What got me off on this path is how these people here were so antsy, they couldn't wait on God to get through speaking, and they wanted to do their own thing. And that's what it is in the church world today. People don't want to wait till God speaks. They want to move whether he's moving or not. So there's a whole lot of shaking and stuff moving, going on, but it's God anywhere around. Do you know what I asked the question I, I learned this years ago? Anytime I go to a meeting or anything else, it don't matter what's happening, how many rafters is shaking, how it don't matter if the building's split down the middle, how many chairs has been broke, you know, and how many people's fallen on other. I always ask this question. Where is God at in all this? And I'm not against it, don't get me wrong. But I want to make sure God's in it before you get me in it. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times people put on things. Of course, Brother Hagin used to talk about that. You know, you're going to have a little wildfire when God gets to moving. But there'll be enough of wet blankets around to put it out, you know. But sometimes people just get in a rut, you know, and want the same thing to happen every time and every time and every time. So you're going to get the words of God, and you're going to take two or three scriptures. And, uh, and I'm not saying you can't get more, but you don't have to have the whole Bible. And you just read them out loud to yourself till it becomes real to you. Till faith comes down in your heart. I'll give you one illustration. We'll move along. The reason I got talking about this, because the children of, of Israel here, God's children, could not wait for him to get through with what he was doing and giving Moses an assignment to come and give them. They couldn't wait on God. They're going to do their own thing. And that's what's happening in many churches today that split churches down the middle and cause people to go. In fact, I, I, I'm thinking of a church right now that used to be a lot larger than what it is, but it got to going uh, into cultural trends of society. Listen, it don't matter what cultural trends that society is putting on, don't bring them into the church. And I'm thinking of this one church right now that used to be a lot larger than what it is. But actually another fellow started a church, you know, because he believed the Lord told him to, and I'm not saying he didn't. And this church that was gigantic actually built the other guy's church. Because some of the guy, people that were in there realized this is not the Holy Ghost. What's going on at my church is not the Holy Ghost. It used to be the Holy Ghost in here. But now it's cultural trends of society, and now this church is based around pleasing the people. And what do the people want? And the whole service is geared to what the people wants. Many, there are people, and I'm not belittling, you know, at all. I'm just saying it to bless people's hearts or trying to reach people. But some uh, ministers, pastors especially, would do uh, studies about some of the topics that I'm talking about, like the, the attention span and things like that and, and what people want. And then they gear that service around that with this short clip video, seven minutes here, eight minutes there, eight minutes here because they say that you can't do this. And, and they build that. And so the whole service is built around that. And they get you in and get you out. And I'm not, no, not against that either. I think there's sometimes a lot of wasted fluff that goes on. You don't want to get me on that. 
in, 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 I'm talking about in, in some churches. A lot of fluff that goes on. You know, but uh, some people do studies on this. Ministers do studies. And then they gear their whole service around that. And then they're in and out and people are gone. And then you uh, wonder, well, what was that all about? It was all about some kind of demographic study or how people think. And it wasn't what God was saying from heaven. It was man's idea, not God's idea. Why is that? Because they were not patient enough to wait till God spoke. Not patient enough, just like they wasn't here. In in, uh, Exodus 32, they weren't patient enough to wait on God. So they made their own gods. They come up with their own types of services and things that we're going to do. That's, that's right. So anyway, you take those scriptures and you read them out loud to yourself over and over, and I'll guarantee you faith will come. Amen. If it does not, you can tell Jesus when you meet him that his word is a lie. But I don't think you will. Because faith cometh. Faith cometh by what? Hearing. It's going to come. It's going to come. But are you smarter than a goldfish? Can you focus long enough on the Word? Yes, you can. You can discipline yourself. You can train yourself. Y'all remember Ruthie May? Y'all remember Ruthie May? Ruthie May uh, went to the doctor because she was having pain, you know. Went in to see the general practitioner. (laughs) And the general practitioner rubbed her and slapped her and knocked her and maybe even done an x-ray, you know. I'm adding a little bit to it for effect, you know. Done all that stuff, poked her, plucked her, what what all that kind of, whatever they do, you know. And he come back in and said, Ruthie May, he said, uh, I don't want to have to tell you this. He said, you've got cancer in the last stages. And he said, I'm not the guy you need to see anymore. You need to go to a specialist. Remember, all demons are specialists. They are not general practitioners. They know what their assignment is, and they are very good at it. He even got demons assigned to false religions. I'm going to be talking about this in our seminar. But anyway, things I've never been able to say. The Lord's going to let me say some things. But uh, anyway, Ruthie May, when she heard it, immediately she broke down in the general practitioner's office, you know. You can imagine. He, he told her, you're not going to make it. And he didn't want to, but he knew her. He'd known her since she was a teenager. And he, she was on up in years then, you know, 55, 60 years old. I think about 66, somewhere there. Ruthie May, y'all remember Ruthie. And uh, so she, she was very distraught. And, of course, the nurse heard her crying, you know, and the doctor hugged her, you know, and all, because she's like family. He'd been around him all since she was a little girl. And then the nurse came in and... and found out she went and got the other nurses and they come in and just hugged her and loved on her and all that stuff because really what the doctors was telling her is you're going to die Ruthie May 
I mean, there ain't nothing. Now, I'm going to send you to a specialist, you know, that specializes in this. And, but from my experience, and he was just honest with her, you know. Most people don't, don't come out of what you got, you know, even with chemo and everything that they do. So when she seen that and heard that, and the nurses were consoling her, she's sitting there just dazed, you know, in the doctor's office. And she recalled back to the last funeral that she had went through, too. That was uh, uh, Catherine Francis Greer's funeral. She had attended that funeral, which is my mama. She had attended that funeral. And she thought about it, you know, what happened in, in the eulogy and what the preachers say in the graveside. And she just got to squalling again, you know. Because she she's not prepared to die. Yeah. She hadn't made any plans to die. Yeah. And most people hadn't. That's right. Amen. Most people. I know you plan to live forever. <laughs> you like Sister Billy Brim? She said, I'm going to be here when the rapture happens. Well, all I can say is... And I love her. Jesus, you better hurry up. <laughs> you better hurry up, Jesus. But many people don't prepare to die. They don't want to think about dying. My wife and I just went through all of this with an estate plan. And buddy, you have to answer some questions. That you, that you don't want to answer, you know. So Ruthie May remembered the funeral. Then she visualized her own funeral. Yeah. Well, Aunt Frances, this is what she had. This is kind of flowers. This is a song she sang. And, and before she could gather herself, she's already burying herself in the doctor's office. Yeah, sure. And then she gets home. She gets on the phone. She calls all her aunts, and everybody, especially their aunts, you know. Remember Aunt Kate? Aunt Ophelia? Y'all remember them? Yeah. Aunt Rosie? Y'all remember <laughs> And they get to squalling together. You know, I mean, it's, it's just a time. And then finally, she gets off the phone after telling everybody the wonderful news, you know, that she's going to die. You know, and uh, Ruthie Mae's sitting there, and it dawns on her. Wait a minute. Wait a, what did they say, a minuet? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm a Christian. And the Bible says that by his stripes I'm healed. I remember that. I remember that. Now don't get to shouting too much till you hear the end of the story. Ruth and May said, well, I hadn't studied any of that in a long time. And she hadn't. She hadn't applied it to her life or anything like that. So she went and knocked all the cobwebs and the dust out of the closet, you know, and got all the dead rats off of it and everything like that, you know, and pulled it out. And then she started to focusing on getting her healing book, you know, and stuff like that. And got out her healing book and got her Bible. And she went there and got them scriptures, you know. Yes, yes, glory. And she began to meditate on it. And within about seven to eight minutes, she found herself thinking about her funeral again. And so she went off into her, you know, la-la world, mentally speaking, 
And before she realized it, it was two hours later. And she had only meditated on the Word maybe two or three minutes. You know what I mean? Because she was not smarter than a goldfish. And so this went on, and she would get back, and she'd you know, make herself, I'm going to do this, you know, and everything. And then she got into it one time, and she got through ten minutes. But her mind became mentally tired because it wasn't used to focusing. It was used to being entertained. That's where you just put it in neutral and watch the videos. What do they call them, reels? Watch them one right after the other, you know, and get all that wonderful information and all that. And so she got mentally tired. She got drained. She was just wore out trying to focus on the Word of God. And then she would go after day after day, you know, week after week, till finally, finally, she found herself not even attempting to do it anymore. Well, the day came that the cancer won the battle. Because when you're in a fight for your life, you have to fight. You do. You can die if you want to. God ain't going to be mad at you. I mean, he, he would appreciate it if you just take his word. But he ain't going to condemn you. He's still going to love you. You can die if you want to, or you can live if you want to. So Ruthie May, the cancer gained over, over a period of months into a year, almost two years, and the cancer just grew and grew and grew, and the pain became excruciating. To make a long story short, she died. Ruthie May was my cousin. And she died. Of course, all the funeral was there, you know, and the things that she'd imagined at her funeral and things that she had told people along the way, I want this and I want this song to be sang, you know, and this stuff like that, you know, she was planning her death, you know. And I'm not saying you, you shouldn't plan going over, but I mean, you can see she wasn't focusing on the Word. So anyway... This all went on, and the funeral took place. She went to a Stripler Funeral Home. Y'all remember where that is on Macon Road in Columbus, Georgia? You know, you know why they called it Macon Road, don't you? Because that road went from Columbus, Georgia to Macon, Georgia, so they called it Macon Road. They were real creative in their thinking, you know, about how to do this, you know. And so uh, it was on Macon Road out there, stripped for Hamby Funeral Home, and right beside it, there's a big, uh, what they call perpetual care. It's probably, the, well, it is the nicest cemetery in Columbus, Georgia. In fact, I own cemetery lots there right now. I bought them years ago. Because of my granny. She said, my granny called, she said, I don't want to be buried by myself. Will you go buy some cemetery lots beside me? Everybody called her mama, you know. She's a little bitty. She's four foot eleven, you know. And so I said, yes, mama. I said, but I ain't got no money. She said, they'll finance it. So way back yonder, I put $25 down and $25 a month. And I'm here to tell you, for what I paid for them cemetery lots, they've increased over a thousand percent since the time I bought them. I should have bought the whole doggone cemetery if it had sold it to me. <laughs> That's some expensive dirt. I'm telling you, it is. It is. Now, we are going to be uh, 
moving away from that particular home because we live in Oklahoma now. We're going to buy cemetery lots out there. We're going to be, one of my family members, I believe, wants to buy those from me. So when I, we went in there and bought, then everybody else bought cemetery lots. But anyway, the uh, funeral home's right there and they have a chapel and then they, they have a little procession that you can drive right out of their yard, right into a gate and you go right into Park Hill Cemetery and you go down to graveside and they have graveside and everybody's hugging one another and they were talking about the preacher and they were talking about how wonderful uh, Ruthie Mae was and you know how she helped a lot of people and people were just squalling because it was true. She was a very kind, loving young lady. It would help you do anything you needed to do, go out of way, come and help you clean your house for you. It wouldn't matter what. If you needed something, she would be there. That's the way she was. Everybody remembered her that way. But you know, one thing that the preacher didn't say. He didn't tell the folks there about why Ruth and May died. Didn't tell her that she didn't read the Word and study the Word, but she's watching the videos on her phone and her computer instead of studying the Bible. You know what I mean? And I'm not belittle her at all. So anyway, she dies, you know, and, and she, she gets to heaven. And one day, Jesus come walking along, and uh, he saw Ruthie May. He said, well, Ruthie May. Ruthie May. Jesus did. Y'all remember this, don't you? Sure. Ruthie May, what are you doing here? And she looked at Jesus and just fell down and began to worship him, you know. Well, Lord, I, I died of cancer. He said, Ruthie May. You know I love you, but you didn't have to die of cancer. Come on. He said, you got here too soon. Yeah. He said, you could have just believed my word, and everything would have been all right. Come on. Well, immediately, anguish and remorse came over her in heaven. And then she thought, oh, I've got to go back to earth, and I've got to tell all my friends what Jesus just told me. But there's a great gulf fixed between her and us. So Ruthie May sent me a message. And she told me to tell you for her. Because she can't come back. And I'm telling you, if you'll meditate on the word, Ruthie May heard it from Jesus. It'll work for you. Amen. But why don't people meditate on the word? Because they don't want to wait on God. These people here in Exodus 32 did not want to wait on God. They wanted to do it their way. And and we thank God for modern medicine and all the things that they offer. We thank God for that. And and if you need a doctor, you get to the doctor. I'm not against doctors. Don't get me wrong. Brother Hagin just said, this is the way Brother Hagin used to say it. He said, if you're dealing with a life and death disease and you say you're going to believe God for it, he said, if you pray and you don't get a miracle instantly, you better go to the doctor. Yeah. Amen. He said, because a doctor can keep you alive long enough to get your faith working. Right. Some people think that going to the doctor is wrong. You know what I mean? And Brother Hagin never taught that. He never did. I mean, he was accused of it, but he never did. In fact, he even paid for people to go to the doctor and sent them himself, people that didn't have the money. He would do that. Brother Hagin would. He said, the way he said, if you've got a, something, a critical something, life and death disease in your body that you're facing, and you pray and you don't get a miracle almost immediately, which you can, but if you don't, right. you better get to the doctor yes, because they can help you. You know what I mean? They can help you get through. Yes, amen. So, Ruthie May, can I tell you one more story? Yes, sir. Yes. I'm trying to, I'm going to tell you about a lady now 
that was focus. This lady became, by her own free will and volition, smarter than a goldfish. And it was a lady that didn't even know about the goldfish. She didn't even know about all these kind of 8.2% focus ability, you know, 8.2 seconds, I mean, to be able to focus. But it was uh, from a story of Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans. You ever heard of Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans? Her and her sister ran what they call a healing home. And it was a two-story house. And they would only take in people that was at a point of death that medical science could not help. And so this one particular lady, and they only had, a, a, you know, four, five, six bedrooms or something, you know, throughout all the house, between upstairs and downstairs. They'd converted some rooms. And so they would bring these people in. This lady, particular lady they brought in, had tuberculosis. You know, your lungs are shutting down and all this kind of stuff. And they brought her in. And they got her upstairs, you know, because that's the only bed they had then. And they got her upstairs. And the first thing after they got her comfortable in the bed, you know, and got her bedclothes and all fixed, you know, and she's in pain going in and out of consciousness, you know, then uh, Dr. Yeomans, Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans, who was a minister of the gospel, sat down beside her bed and took her Bible and started going from the front of the Bible to the back of the Bible, reading the healing scriptures to her. And the lady was going in and out of consciousness because she was in so much pain. But what she pointed out to her was Deuteronomy chapter 28 and showed her that all sickness and disease was under the curse back there. It was under the curse. Even tuberculosis is under the curse of the law. That's that's what it said. But she also pointed out to her Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Isn't that right? So after she read these scriptures, it took her, you know, a couple of hours for her to go over the scriptures because that's the only medicine they administer. That's all they could legally administer. She worked with this lady about two hours or over, over that. And then and, and she would say, now I'm going to come back a little later and we're going to go over it again. She said, but now every waking moment, after she taught her this, she said, every waking moment, I want you to do something. She said, what? She said, I want you to say, that tuberculosis is under the curse of the law. But according to Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Therefore, I no longer have tuberculosis. I am healed. That don't mean nothing to me. It don't matter, honey. But she stayed with her till she memorized that. Just memorized it. Just that little statement. According to Deuteronomy 28, tuberculosis is under the curse of the law. But according to Galatians 3... 313, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, and I no longer have tuberculosis. But you can put anything in there, any disease, anything in there. And so she said, now you promised me, she told this lady, Dr. Yeomans told this lady with this tuberculosis on her deathbed, every waking moment, because she's going in and out of consciousness, you'll say this. She said, I'll try. She said, just do it. Do it. Don't just try. So this lady had done it. You know, after a while, she left her. And after a while, later on that day, Dr. Yeomans come back. Said, honey, have you been saying what I told you to say? Yes, but it don't mean anything to me. I'm still laying here and I'm still hurting. She said, honey, it don't matter what it looks like. Just keep saying it. And so she went through the scriptures again. Took her through the scriptures, just read them out loud. This lady's going in and out of consciousness, you know. And then she'd say, now say it again. She'd show her, make sure she's saying the right thing. And so she'd come back the next day. And she'd come back the next day. Come back the next day. 
And every time this lady would say, it don't mean anything. I'm saying it, but it don't mean anything. I don't feel any better. She said, just keep saying it, honey. Just keep saying it, honey. So I don't know, about a week later, her and her sister, Dr. Yeomans and her sister, were downstairs preparing a lunch meal for everybody in that house. And all of a sudden, they heard a clatter upstairs. Boom, boom, bam. You know, and they thought, what in the world is that racket, you know? And then all of a sudden, this lady that was dying of tuberculosis come running across that floor up there, run down the steps, a hollering, Dr. Yeomans, Dr. Yeomans, do you know that tuberculosis is under the curse of the law? But according to Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, and I no longer have tuberculosis. And here this lady is, come running into the kitchen, just like she had the full strength of a bull. Dr. Yeoman stopped stirring the soup, turned around and looked at her. She said, well, honey, that's what I've been trying to tell you ever since you got here. That lady was smarter than a goldfish. And that will work for anybody on the planet. It don't matter. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be the best Christian in the world. All you got to do is be a believer in the Bible. It'll work for you. It don't matter how poor you are, how much you don't have, how much you do have. It don't matter. The Word will work for you. It'll work for you. But again, most people don't have the patience to wait on God. Just like we got into this by Exodus 32. What she done, she focused on a statement even though she didn't understand it. But it was a biblical statement based on the scriptures. A confession, we call it a confession. But it was a statement. And she just said that over and over, over and over. It didn't mean anything to her, but she just kept saying it. Kept saying it. I'm glad she had her skivvies on when she come running down the stairs. <laughs> Don't look, Ethel. You know. And listen, I'm not making that up. Your pastors can tell you that. This man from the, before the flood, these people down here can tell you. You can tell you. That's a true story. And I could tell you true stories about myself. But we'd be here for a while. Believe in it. But you need to become smarter than a goldfish. You do. You need to discipline yourself to meditate, not just read the Bible, but meditate on the Bible. Yes, we need to read it. You say, we're going to read the Bible through in a year. That's good, and we should, because that gives us information what's in there. But if you want faith from that Bible, you're going to have to meditate on the Scripture. It don't come no other way. And the quickest way to get in faith is what? Read the word to yourself and meditate on it. Out loud. you got to hear it. Faith comes by hearing. Read the word out loud to yourself and meditate on it while you're doing it. And it'll produce faith. That is the quickest way to get in faith. And that lady proved it. But can you imagine what she was going through? She was in severe pain. She was coughing up flame and all kinds of stuff. Tuberculosis does. Maybe even blood coming out of her lungs. And she was still doing this. Why? Because she was desperate. 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 When you get desperate for God. When you get desperate for what you want. Brother Hagin is 
a boy of 16 years old got up off a deathbed because he was desperate. He had nowhere else to go except God. And they got off that deathbed. But you've got to be willing to wait on God. And because people are not willing to wait on God, it clutters things up and it causes a lot of people to die prematurely. God doesn't do it. There's a Godward side and a manward side to everything you receive. God's done His part. He, if you won't fail in doing your part, you'll always receive it. So remember Exodus chapter 32. Is that where you're at? That was a side journey. Now we've got to come back to the main journey. These people, and what got us into that, is that these people couldn't wait for God to show back up with instructions from Moses. They couldn't wait. Isn't that right? So they're going to have their own religion, which means they're not going to do it the way God wants them to do it. They're going to do it the way they want to do it. And there's many churches in the United States and around the world today that are doing this very same thing. God, if you're going to show up, you better do it right now because we're fixing to do something different. And that's exactly, they got impatient. They was not smarter than a goldfish. And it came down that they actually made a golden calf. And it said here in verse 4, And he received them at their hand, Aaron did, and fashioned it with a graven tool after he had made it a molten calf and said, These be thy gods. So he's calling this calf Elohim. O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, what did he do? He built an altar, what? Before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast unto the Lord. What Lord? A golden calf. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and to drink and done what else? Rose up to play. The problem in the church world today, there's too much playing and not much obeying. These people were not obeying God, they were playing. They were doing their own thing. I've said this and I believe this. We've got too many doggone holidays in our society. We do. Every time you turn around, you got this holiday, you got that holiday. I don't believe, you know, that's fine for me, for you to have a day off. And Jesus told his disciples, come across in the desert place and rest. But he didn't tell them to take an eternal vacation like most people do. Most people want to sit around, do nothing, be nothing. And go nowhere, have no vision, not seek God, not pray, not study, not meditate on the Word of God. (coughs) And that's the truth. So here they are, and they're worshiping and having a feast into a doggone piece of gold calf. Aren't they? Why? Because they would not wait for God to speak. They didn't want to wait on Him. A lot of people today, again, don't focus on the Word of God enough to get for God to speak into their spirit so it becomes life to them. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure we have life inside of us. Isn't that right? 
So a way that you get into false gods and false religions and doing things, and what I'm not talking, I'm not talking about just bringing a golden calf and, and, you know, taking some kind of stuff and setting an idol up, but there's a lot of things that can happen where it gets between you and God and it becomes what I want to do instead of what God wants to do. They couldn't wait on God, so they made their own God. In other words, they come up with their own religion. We're talking about false religions. And I'll tell you who's behind this, the devil. The devil's behind all of this, all these kind of things like this. There's religious spirits. In fact, tonight, with the Lord's permission and continual leading, I'm going to tell you about a religious spirit. I'm going to tell you how it operates and how it can deceive because it looks just like God. It looks just like the Holy Ghost, but it's not. But it's a religious spirit. So our, in closing... Are you smarter than a goldfish? Are you smarter than a goldfish? You sure? You got it. You're smarter than a goldfish. I believe you are too. Because I don't see any of you with fins and little things and tails sticking out. I don't, I don't see any of you with that. So I believe you are smarter than a goldfish. You are. I believe you can focus on the Word of God. I believe you can come running through the church door, hollering at the church. Hey, look, look. Amen. It'll work for anybody. It'll work in the area of the financial realm. It'll work in the the area of the spiritual realm. It'll work in the area of the physical realm. Whatever it is, the Bible always works. And it produces faith. The quickest way to get into faith is for you to read, just take two or three scriptures and read them out loud to yourself over and over and over and over and over. And it'll get down in your spirit. That's the quickest way. The quickest way above all. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for the spirit of the living God. And Lord, we thank you that you've led us today, that you've revealed to us some things today. And Lord, we've seen the people's faith come alive. Because of your word, Lord, because of what you showed us in your word today. People's faith come alive. And Father, I thank you that you're going to meet them at their point of faith. And they'll receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn it to somebody.